Lord God, today we, we thank you that you are with us and we just pray that as we uh, try and glean some, uh, some encouragement from the, from the life of Paul, uh, that indeed that's what would happen, uh, that we'd be encouraged, that we'd be spurred on, uh, and that we would look to, to emulate some of these things that we see in the life of this great man. But at the end of the day, we realize he is but a man, and that the only reason that he was able to do what he was able to do was because of you, was because of your great love, because of your great care, uh, because of uh, the gifts and abilities that you gave him, and the fact that you led him through all that he did. So, Father, we pray all of these things uh, and we pray again that you would be glorified uh, through our time together. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. So I, I wonder what kind of trip planner you are. Um, there are many types of trip planner. Uh, and I've experienced having lived in Asia, we get lots of uh, people on all sorts <laughs> of trips uh, coming through. Uh, and so I think I've seen pretty much the spectrum of, of trip planning, um, even within teaching, uh, when you have to take school trips. I've been amazed at the variance uh, in people's attitudes towards planning. Some are meticulous. They have Excel sheets of bus timetables and costs of attractions. Uh, months and months of choosing hotels and flights to get the best deal. And I, I have to say, again, after having led so many school trips, I lean that way. <laughs> I love a good Excel sheet. Um, to some, planning is anathema. Um, they want the genuine experience and they just book a plane ticket and they decide what to do with their land. No bookings, no research. They just explore and, and kind of um, and go for it, which can be fun and romantic but it can also be extremely dangerous as one of my friends did when uh, they went to the philippines um to a place called mindanao which is not a place where you want to go with no plan and actually really you don't want to go at all um <laughs> but uh she did that uh some are somewhere in between with a bit of planning and a bit of exploration some never go on holiday at all because they find it too much stress that whole idea of planning so there's a big variance across the different types of planners and I was wondering, as we look at the life of Paul uh, and these chapters that we're, we're called to look at today, chapters 16 to 20, how much planning did Paul put into his missionary journeys? How did he know what to do, where to go, who to talk to? Today, we get our travel guidance from TripAdvisor and guidebooks and travel agent. We have far more information, even about the religious beliefs of places that we go to visit than Paul would have done or would have had access to until he actually got there on the ground. So how did he decide? How did he know what God's will was for where he was going? So we're going to have a look at a couple of characteristics of, of Paul's, uh, all the way the Lord guided Paul um, in his journeys. And, and we're going to start off in, in chapter 16. And we're just going to take a couple of snapshots uh, as we go through uh, to help us have a look. So if you look at chapter 16 uh, and verse 7, it says, After they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not uh, permit them. Oh, actually, before that, um, in, in verse 6, they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came to Troas. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia to help us. When he had seen the vision, 
Immediately, we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Here, I think we see one of the first characteristics of Paul is his sensitivity to the leading of the spirit. So maybe this is where the old saying comes from about pushing doors. Uh, Paul and his companions had an idea of where they wanted to go. But for whatever reason, in whatever ways, these options were shut down to them so that they had to end up in Troas. At this point, potentially Paul wasn't getting it or he wasn't thinking in the right direction because the Lord gives him this amazing vision of a man from Macedonia calling him. And that that sells it for Paul and, and, and he heads out. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never had a vision, uh, nor have I ever had kind of a meaningful dream uh, when I've been praying for things and asking for guidance. Um, but we need to remember that the gospel was at stake. Uh, at that point the strengthening of the fledgling church was at stake so it's no wonder that lord gave special instructions to those apostles to help them fulfill the lord's plans and we often hear about things don't we happening on the mission field of of, of missionaries going into uh, incredible situations and, and and being led by the lord in incredible ways but what we do see here is a lesson for us in terms of our sensitivity to the way the spirit leads in our lives Paul's relationship was such that he sought to do the Lord's will in all that he did, which meant that he was constantly seeking what God would have him do. This is the opposite example of what we see in James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17, where we get an example of a man who does not submit his way to the Lord. He says, I'm going to go to this city and I'm going to do this and I'm going to um, experience this and I'm going to have this. And all of the things in, in that passage in James 4, 13 to 17 aren't bad. The things that the man wants to do, there's nothing wrong with. The problem is he didn't submit his to the Lord. Paul didn't want to go anywhere that the Lord didn't want him to go. And he was ready to be led. And he was seeking that leading. Clearly, the Lord stops that, which sometimes we think is good. Paul wanted to go to Asia, but the spirit said no. He wanted to go for good reasons, with right motives, but still the Lord's plan was better. So the closer we draw to him and the closer we desire his will over ours, then the more likely we are to sense his leading in our lives. And Jesus models this for us, doesn't he, in John six thirty-eight, where he says that he comes to do the Father's will, not his own. Um, this needs to be our attitude in all areas of life, because even though we want to do things sometimes for a good reason, and we think this would be a good outcome, the Lord knows better. So we need to be uh, willing to be sensitive to the spirits leading. We also need to be submissive to the brethren too, submissive to our brothers and sisters. If you look at chapter 17 and verse 10. Um, so they're in um, Thessalonica. Uh, and uh, sorry. Uh, so they're in uh, they're in Berea. Um, and, and it says here in verse 10, the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. So they're in Thessalonica and they're being sent to Berea. Um, they were sent away. Can you imagine trying to send the apostle Paul? Uh, excuse me, Paul. Um, no, we need, you need to go. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't imagine having to be the one giving that message. Um, that would be pretty, pretty daunting for me. And then down in verse 14, then immediately the brethren sent Paul out to go as far as the sea. It's easy to see Paul as this kind of one man missionary machine that he had the plan. He had the inside track and that he was the one guiding the show. 
However, as we saw at the beginning of the week and even yesterday with the Jerusalem Council, Paul was willing to submit himself to his brothers and his sisters in Christ. Sometimes the Lord uses those around Paul to help him know when it was time to move on, when it was time to make a more prudent decision than die at the hands of the crowd. So in Acts 17.10, we see the noble Bereans sending Paul and uh, we see Paul and Silas being sent away to the Bereans. And then in, for, in verse 14, the Bereans send them away again. They saw the situation a little bit more clearly than Paul did. They knew the city. They knew the mob. They knew the implications for the gospel. So they sent Paul away so that he could continue his ministry. He could have defied them. He could have used his apostolic credentials. Uh, but as mere humans, we know that we don't always see the whole picture. And being willing to submit to the wisdom of other believers is wisdom of itself. Sometimes Paul did pass on the advice of others when he had a strong conviction. Like when he was stoned in Acts 14, 19, he got up and went back into the city, which I'm pretty sure the other disciples weren't advocating. I, I can't imagine that they were saying, yes, Paul, this is a good idea. Come back into the city that just stoned you. But Paul was not only sensitive to the spirits leading of himself. He was sensitive to the spirits leading of others as well, which is why he was able to humbly accept guidance from other people. So Paul uh, was sensitive to the spirits leading he was submissive to the brethren, but he was also sensible in practice. Uh, and there are quite a few just little um, sections uh, that I wanted to, to highlight for you in just a moment. So, so Paul had a plan. If you remember back in Acts 15, he and Barnabas knew what they wanted to do. And no doubt they, they, they mapped out the route and set sail. They no doubt trusted the spirits leading and the wisdom of their friends and disciples they would meet along the way but they had a sensible approach that they followed until something changed. All we have to do is look at the maps in the back of our Bibles and see how, see how orderly and how sensible Paul's plan was in terms of the order that they visited the places in. And they went one way and then they reversed going back the other way. I mean, there was clearly some planning involved. Um, so looking at some of these verses, as we're going to in a second, it, 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 it sh it's funny because it almost seems mundane as to how Paul came to many of his decisions about so many of these places. And I'll explain what I mean in a second. So uh, chapter 16 and verse one, Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. He came there. He, he, he arrived. 16 verse six, they passed through the Fergian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit. Uh, 16 verse 11. So putting out to sea from Troas. We ran a straight course to Samothrace and on the day following to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia. Then 17 verse 1. Now, when they had traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And then in 18 verse 1. After these things, he left Athens and went to Corinth and he found a Jew named Aquila. It just seems all very normal. He went, he came, they went through this place to this place. Um, and, and it shows that every decision in life doesn't have to be a huge earth shattering deal where we have a vision to guide us. Even on this important quest, the Lord was guiding Paul in his planning and execution of his plan. Paul didn't need to, um, uh, to, to make a huge deal about which. This brings me real comfort um, because Moving here back to England from Hong Kong 
didn't feel like some massive spiritual exercise at the time. It felt like a whole bunch of logistics that came together. But now we know, looking back, that the Lord was clearly guiding us. And as we went about planning and praying and submitting those plans to him, this plan came forward. I mean, very, very briefly, we I was in a school in Hong Kong and, and everything was going great. We felt that the Lord was calling me to go back to teaching in non in a non-Christian school. So we thought we would be staying in Asia. So we said, Lord, we're going to leave this job and we're going to see what you bring. And that process was a year. So we, we said we were going to leave and it was a year from when we said we were going to leave to when we actually left. Um, and all through that time, we were we were kind of looking for jobs and, and interviewing and all of that kind of stuff. And then nothing happened. So logistically, we had to leave Hong Kong because we'd sold everything. So we came back to England and stayed with mum and dad. And then the job came up at Abbey. And to, you know, to us in that moment, it was, it was a lot of just, Lord, we don't know what we're doing. We just hope you're guiding us. And when we look back, we could see how the Lord from decision to decision, from mundane logistic to mundane logistic, he was undertaking and he was leading us through that. And Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 6 became very real for us during that time of transition from Hong Kong to here. Uh, that's the, the passage where it talks about that um, we trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him because he will make your path straight. And we couldn't lead on our own understanding. We had to trust in him. And I believe the Lord honors that like he did with Paul, like he did with Abraham, like he has done with countless missionaries since Paul. There was a 90s film that my dad will remember called Entrapment. And there was a quote in the film, first we try, then we trust. And as usual, Hollywood got it wrong. I think Paul's perspective was this, first we trust, and then we try. So I, I hope that uh, as we look at the life of Paul, we can see a life of faithfulness, a life of sensitivity to the spirit, a life of willingness to being guided by others, but also a life of of, of planning and thinking about what, what comes next in our lives and then taking all of that and submitting it to the Lord and asking him to guide us. Let's pray. Father, we, we come to so many decisions each day, um, some having great consequence, having others having little. But Lord, we know that through your word that every decision we make matters to you. Every word that we speak, every action that we take, every thought that we have. And we, we need you to guide us, Lord. We need your help. We need your support. We need your leading. Uh, we need your enabling. Uh, we need the gifts that you give us. We need the people around us to help us, to, to, to grow us, to challenge us, to, to, to guide us when we don't see things clearly. So, Father, I pray that we would be wise as Paul sets this great example for us. Uh, in, in wisdom and guidance. And Lord, as, as, as your son said so clearly to us in the Gospel of John, may we desire your will above all else. May your will be paramount. May your will take precedence over ours. And we pray this in your name, in the name of your son. Amen.